You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Edwin Horner. Hello, everybody. I'm Edwin. Nice to meet y'all. Well, Edwin, why don't you enlighten people on uh, what who you are, I would say. I mean, besides everyone, this is like my childhood best friend. We're born on the same day. He's a year ahead of me. But you know what's interesting is I didn't know our parents knew each other for the longest time until like five years ago. What? Yeah, so, like, I thought we just randomly came across each other as best friends, and then, like, you know, just, you know, hanging out every single day, then eventually my mom's like, oh, yeah, that's my best friend. I was like, oh, so there's, like, this deep connection. It was kind of like a nightmare on Elm Street, but without all the murder and torture. Yeah, my, uh, my mom's known Marlon, Skip, and uh, Mike Chester. She's known all, everybody since back in the day, kids. Being in Ocean City Grimes. And I'm, I've, mess- I've mentioned you a few times in the podcast, not by name, but more on the concept of I have this theory on sleep, and it all came from you. Because one night you spent the night at my house, and like a, you know, it was like two o'clock in the morning or something. You were asleep, and I obviously wasn't. And I was like, hey, trying to wake you up. So what I did was I opened up your eye like this while you were sleeping and it was moving around so much. And that's when I learned about rapid eye movement. And I remember like five minutes later, you woke up, you're like, did you just put your hands on me? I was like, no, I didn't do that at all. That was your ghost. But it's been a crazy time, dude. So why don't you tell me a little bit of, like, I guess about yourself. So where I left you was probably about, we stopped hanging out about seventh, eighth, ninth grade. That was when, uh, I started, you know, skipping school, messing up, and then I got into drugs and stuff, and uh, got sent to prison. A little bit, uh, a little rough experience, but saved my life, helped me out a little bit. Now, I mean, I had Timmy on here when he was talking about his car accident and everything, and you know how he's kind of trying to educate schools on stuff on the fact of drinking and driving, but like, how'd you get sent to prison exactly? Because that's not fucking jail. That's not like, uh, no, you know, it's, it's not the easy one. It's prison. Yeah. State prison. Um, well, I got a, a distribution of heroin and a distribution of oxycodone, selling pain pills, selling heroin eventually. And uh, that's how I got sent. Uh, Worcester County Task Force Finest got me. Now, uh, when, at what moment, like, kind of, because, I mean, that's some scary shit. Like, even me around weed, I still feel sketched out. Like, the one thing I really don't like about drugs is once you start, like, getting involved in that, everybody becomes, like, the weirdest fucking thing, I would say. Like, just people become really kind of, like, not the relationship anymore. You know what I mean? I, I, came, I came home. I went, you know, went out to a few bars, went out to a few restaurants. I seen some people that I knew from high school that were my good friends complete weirdos now just because of drugs it's changed your mind changed just their morals everything about them inside dude anyway it just people don't there's drugs change your brain and changes who you are who you really are and what you're about you know I mean, it, it 
I took everything from me. I don't, I didn't want to skate. Didn't want to surf. Didn't want to do nothing. I just wanted to get high. So I took, um, I mean, like I obviously smoking pot is nothing like doing heroin or drugs like that, but I mean, it changes your perception on things. Like how has it kind of changed your perception a little bit too, man? Cause I mean, from back, like you went from completely redneck, like from fishing from like, I mean, there were times we were, we were when we were camping and shit, we were just trying to light stuff on fire. We went from that to a whole different shift, man. Yeah. There's a uh, camera trips. Some of my favorite times going up, going to little campgrounds, dirt bike tracks, stuff like that with you and your dad. And when you wrecked on freaking Dane's motorcycle, Literally, before anybody could freaking ride a motorcycle, this kid goes, I ride them all the time, hops on it, pops a wheelie immediately, then runs into like one of those stringed up fences that are like meant to mark the land like you don't go in this area, hits you right in the neck. Too. Yeah, you went I over the straight over the little uh, kitty jump track and crashed straight into the dirt wall. <laughs> But I mean, like going from that, remember we did a, that's when I first discovered you don't ding dong ditch in the snow. We were at the campground or the motocross track thing and we were knocking on people's campers and we were leaving snow footprints. So they were able to follow us right back to the campground. All the way. Even going from that, dude, like how do you hit from there? And like, just take me through the mindset, dude. Like when you were, when you got like, the whole experience, the whole trip, like from when you, the, the, the time you got busted, I want to know what that whole night was like. So oh, a week before prior, I sold to an undercover, didn't know. I got set up by my best friends that I lived with. And uh, the next week I was coming down uh, 113, got off on 589. Next thing I know, there's about 10 blacked out Tahoes, a few sheriffs. And a DEA agent there because it's an interstate task force. I thought shit on myself, for real. Yeah. If I would have known, if I would have known what I know now, the drugs in my butt cheeks, I wouldn't have got <laughs> caught. But looking at it now, that wasn't a turning point. That was just a point that kind of made it go worse. Because I went to juvenile for a few months and got waived to an adult. Because it, we'll get to that later on the on the nonviolent drug charges we'll get we'll get to that but it kind of made it worse i i went i went into juvenile i bailed i got waived to adult i bailed out that day because i had some money came home was just kept doing the same thing went to jail did my time paroled out in county jail came home was home for 11 months and i had my daughter with cc and uh i just kept fucking up i started getting high again and Got sent back to prison. Judge wasn't trying to have none of that. He's like, you didn't want to get your life together for your daughter. I, I don't care. You can go do your time. You can do the rest of your time. At that point, that was when life finally got real, real. And uh, girl I love left me. Took my kid. Went, got married. Had another kid. Another dude. And then I came home. And life was different a little bit. I, uh, lot of depression for real yeah i mean i i i i would bet dude i mean the whole factor is like i didn't even know you had a kid until just recently you're putting up photos and you were like oh. you know and she's all grown up now i mean that has to be a huge shock to you to figure out the time a little bit this missed a little bit but i mean when Absolutely. you when you got sent away and stuff too what was the biggest thoughts you were thinking like the like i've only seen it from movies don't drop the soap don't do all these types of things i mean but 
is it like that? Is it that much of a jungle? I mean, I always talk about how I think the jail system is like the worst possible thing just because of the factor of they don't, there's not a lot of time and care put into the people that are there because they're considered scum. And it's like, no, they're not. They made no a mistake. 90, uh, in Maryland prisons now, 95, I say, I say about 85 to 90% of people are in there for drugs, whether they've done rob somebody to get some drugs, they've done sold some drugs to support their habit. They've done burglarized somewhere, stole stuff for some drugs, or they've been killed somebody over a drug deal going wrong. The other 5% of people there are the actual predators that really need to be in there. There's no help in Maryland prison systems. They've took out all the drug classes. They've took out all the drug programs. And now it's just, it, you go in there, somebody like me. I come home, you know, covered in tattoos, this, that. I've been joined a gang. I've done got stabbed in prison hitting the head with locks i've been, been oh all. Don't, don't gloss over the stabbing part i mean you got stabbed in prison was it was it over the food no absolutely not gang wars all right so you know you you gotta enlighten me on some of this stuff here man because like this is a whole world i have nothing I, i'm so curious about because like it's something i've never been involved in it's something i've never yeah. even been close to being locked up i mean the first thing like you're saying they took out drug classes they took out all this type of stuff how did you how did you find your help did you turn to like god like everyone does no there was a spiritual point kind of where i had to use like my own spirit and will to kind of keep myself from like just going crazy at one point or another because they like say being part of that gang stuff and this and that i spent most of my prison bit behind the door for doing stuff for gangs and doing other stuff and it just was not worth it i could have been home i did four and a half years on four and a half years day for day i could have been home within a year and a half but i had no good time now when we talk about like um what, what would you say the biggest problem that you saw in there was like, was it the guards? Was it the people there? Obviously, I mean, they're not going to be. Maryland prisons, it's, I mean, you've probably seen a lot of stuff on the news, that the indictments, the COs, like ECI, all them COs getting locked up, the federal indictments. Where I was at in JCI out in Baltimore, it's like being in the projects. It's literally as hood as you can get. It's literally in there, a prison is exactly a mirror of the streets. Everybody that's in there in the hood doing what they're doing in the hood is in there doing the same thing they're doing in there. People that were getting high on the streets are still getting high in there. You can get you can get high in prison every single day if you want for a bag of chips, a couple noodles, a few debbies. And it don't, it don't help people that are in there for addiction because the day they come home, I've known five or six people the day they come home, they overdose just because they didn't change their life while they were in prison. Nothing changed. They didn't, have, they didn't get the proper help they were supposed to get. When you go to prison, you're supposed to get rehabilitation. There's none of that. There is absolutely none of that. I came home, you know, I, I really had to like, there's, I was lucky that I had family when I came home because there's no, they give you $50 and a little fake ID and tell you to get on and go on and get. What's, what's, what's somebody that, you know, you get, they get released for somebody from the city, they get released in the city, they got 50 bucks and they get high. What are they going to do? They'll get high. What do you consider the hardest part after being released from lock or released from uh, prison? I would say like, what would you say the hardest part is like when you're coming back and everything's kind of changed? I mean, honestly, the most has probably changed in the past couple of months than it has in like the past 10 years. But I mean, the whole factor is when you come home, 
you're seeing your family you probably haven't really seen or had time to spend with like what was the first thing you did when you got back and you got out the first thing i did i got out of the all right let's, let's go i guess um so to answer your first question the hardest thing about coming home was rebuilding I didn't really have visits while I was locked up and where I was at, my family couldn't drive all the way out there. And in Maryland, you can only have certain people come visit you. If they've ever had a charge or record, they can't come visit you. That knocks out my sister, even though my sister's changed her whole life and in becoming a lawyer, she just got all her stuff like, uh, uh, what's it called? Expunged by Delaware and all that stuff. You know, I caught my charge with my father. He couldn't even come visit me. He was the person that I live with. My mom, she, you know, health issues and stuff. She couldn't come visit me. The only person that could come visit me was my grandfather. He drove almost two and a half hours each way. And when I went out to Cumberland, which is maximum security, he drove almost nine hour round trip just to see me. But coming home was rebuilding them relationships and then rebuilding the relationships with people that cut me off or didn't deal with me while I was locked up or felt some type of way about me being locked up. And then when I came home, they wanted to act differently. And I couldn't like hold animosity or grudge towards them because I did that. I did what I did to myself for real. So, and then another hard thing for me was coming home and just, I was like living off other people's Snapchat memories. Last night I got on Facebook, my old Facebook and went and dug through there and dug through all my old dumb posts and dug up some dumb pictures. I found a picture of me and my cousin Roy in there from when we were like 12 years old. They like all of them started crying because of the memories. I literally have a four-year gap where I have no memories of nothing, of nothing but concrete, steel, and savagery. And those memories, now I come home, I literally take pictures of everything. I try and keep those memories just in case. I don't never know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? But I just want to have those memories. It's also about kind of spending time with people too, trying to, you know, reconnect and trying to build relationships again too, friendships and stuff. I know the first thing when you got out, you sent me a message was like, Hey man, we need to hang out. And we're definitely going to, I, like I told you, we're definitely going to. You've I been think busy health issues. I've had, I've had, I had a little few health issues going on. I have my daughter. I've had a lot of, you know, some not new, yeah, some new legal trouble, but we won't get into that here. Well, I mean, even when we look at like, what you're saying about the Facebook memories and stuff too. I mean, you're trying to really make up for lost time, but not in the way like how people be like, let's do every drug possible. It's more like the fact like I need to start making memories, man, because you missed out on a lot of shit. I mean, how weird is it to see from when you, before you were locked up to where like you come out and you see your daughter and she's completely changed from when the last time you saw her. That was probably one of the hardest things. And I went through a lot of stuff with my daughter's mother when I first came home, but just, back and because we didn't talk the whole time I was in prison when I came home she had moved out to Virginia her and her husband are divorcing because he went in the Navy there's a lot of stuff going on and I finally got to see her we went out but it's now I only get to see her every couple weeks but I try and FaceTime with her every day I try and call her make sure she's okay I send her money you know for cat food cat litter all that type of stuff send her money if she wants whatever she wants some unicorn stuff i'll cash that for some money and as long as the kids are happy as long as she's a good environment i don't know she'll understand when she gets older yeah i mean dude i mean to see like because when we first like we even talked about doing the podcast and you were saying you wanted to mention some stuff about this like 
what are you trying to sh show people? What are you trying to kind of educate people? Are you trying to show, you know, I mean, a lot of people don't really realize, but Maryland is pretty down in the dumps. I mean, the past couple of years, we've had so many overdoses happen. Um, Jeremy, I, Trent got his name right here when I found out he passed away. Jeremy, two, three, probably two weeks after I come home, I find out he got, oh, technically he got murdered, but we're not. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the, the factor of is like, we live in a beach town and people think, oh, it's probably party 24 seven. It goes, yeah, but that is also a problem is the fact that you also have the ability to party every single day. You're kind of peer pressured into partying every single day. And then like, even when you do try and make something for yourself and it's the way that kind of the world works a little bit now is the fact that you need to do something. You need to be popular. You need to be Mr. Liked by everybody. And that can sometimes cause a bad choice. I, and you can, and I'm, I've, you've, and tell by you know just seeing how I deal with people every day I honestly I don't care what nobody thinks anymore I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks and whatsoever what they think about me how they feel about me I got to do what's best for me what's best for my daughter what's best for the people that are around me and with the partying and the you know heroin became a big thing around here because of pain pills and uh people like partying all that even the people I know that aren't addicted to drugs still like a lot of the girls i know everybody i know if they don't drink they're gonna you know have alcohol withdrawals and oh but they're still partying they're still just having fun it's not fun when you're it's not partying with heroin when you got to use a needle it's not partying no more when you got to wake up in the morning and have a drink it's not partying no more when you're doing stuff by yourself it's not partying no more it's not fun you have an addiction you have a problem you got to take care of that and people don't realize that because it's Oh, I'm not using a needle. Oh, I'm not. I'm not doing cocaine. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Still, can become a problem no matter what. Even when, people say, "Well, did you did you realize all this when you were out and now that you've been out? Or when was this moment? When did this come? Like you're coming from a form of clarity. So when did this clarity happen? Did it happen while you were locked up? Like what was that night like? I read a book. It was, uh, I believe, it was the Almond Brothers Band book about the Allman Brothers. It was just their story. And uh, I read that in there. And, and a couple nights I sat there and thought about it. It's, it's not partying when you got to use a needle no more. Sat there and thought about it. I was like, wait, I was doing heroin and pills. That's not partying at all. That's junky stuff. That's how you end up in a ditch somewhere dead. That's how you end up in some random house dead somewhere. That's not partying. Being in the beach town, this, this area is... If you have a problem, it's probably best to get away. Go somewhere. Yeah. Like I say, I'm out in the country right now. I'm happy to be out here. And there's a, no, there ain't the problems out there like we got down on the beach. And you don't got to be surrounded by people that got the same problems as you. Well, you notice, I mean, a lot of the world now, it seems like with this whole situation we experienced the past couple of months, it seems like we're all falling into like a system, falling into the same stuff over and over and over again, kind of getting on these routines and stuff too. But how quickly life can go. I mean, we've lost people that are, you know, in their twenties, people even younger than that, that have just passed. And it's like, that's a life knocked off this earth. And I mean, you talked about suffering from depression. I mean, dude, I got it too, man. I mean, every day it's the same constant thing. Like, how am I going to get to this point? How am I going to get to this point? Why, what's like, am I ever going to be known? Am I ever going to be anything, you know? And it's so hard too, because you experience so many things, but it seems like everyone wants to be something obviously, but the Absolutely. factor is 
how hard is it to become something in a world that's literally set up for you to fail? I mean, every single route, I mean, trying to, especially for you, you know, every trying to get something for yourself, a license, any of these types of things is extremely even more difficult because you've already been labeled as something, you know, and even for the average person, it's difficult. It makes it twice as hard as you too. Absolutely. I, like I say, you know, my family situation, I'm blessed enough to have family that cares about me, family that has the means to help me. So as far as jobs and all this, I came home, all this COVID stuff going on. I didn't have to worry about a job. I could go down to my grandfather's farm and do farm work for $20 an hour, which is great money. You know what I mean? For somebody coming home from prison, making $20 an hour is a blessing. I, uh, I'm also, I was blessed to have my truck back when I came home. Only thing I don't have now and it was kind of my fault, is my license. I went to the MVA to get my ID card, my license card. I got, I got to read it. I just got to retake the written test. So I'm, I don't got wheels right now, but it doesn't bother me. I can go to pretty much any restaurant and get a job if I need it. I can go on any boat and work that I want because I've worked on boats my whole life. I captained my own crab boat for two, three years. So, Well, you captained your I know you worked with your dad. I didn't know you captained on the crab boat. Yeah, I well, I have my own uh, Carolina skiff and my own 300. My grandfather did that for me. When I left school when I was 16 and got my GED, my grandfather got me a crab and boat, 300 crab pots, and gave me my crab, my uh, title fish license. So I did that for a while. And uh, I've done a few different things in between landscape and farm work, but go what I know, working on boats. I'm down in Virginia now. I'll probably go on a few clamming trips soon, catch some clams. Where do you find, where do you, where do you find your, uh, I guess what, where you feel you fit? Do you know where that is yet? Cause I mean, I'm, I'm looking for mine where I feel like I fit, but like. I've, I've kind of came to the conclusion that for right now and for me personally, for personal growth and personal, like myself, like my mental health and everything to do with it, I need to, you know, focus on myself and worry about me and not worry about what other people are doing or going to hang out with them or going to do what they're doing and just focus on me. And that's kind of the point where I'm at now, you know, and life, you know, life changes. Life will give me different options. Life will put people in place, to, you know, that are good for me and that be good friends and that will have the same goals and just everything that I do. And right now I'm just riding this thing solo for real. So it's I mean, best for me. Obviously, you got my number too. If you need to call me or text me or something, um, Absolutely. when it comes to life, though, like trying to figure out job, career, all these other things, the reason why, like, I don't go out partying or I don't really do a whole lot, of, it's just because of the factor of it's like that's a quick little moment, that's a quick little thing. I just want to be set up to where you don't ever have to worry. I mean, we live in a town. Like, I, well, at least by the beach is the factor is you can work two jobs and still scrape by paycheck to paycheck. And I'm like, absolutely, you don't ever want to be like that. You know what I mean? You see people that are retired and people that are, you know, enjoying life and have all this like countless money where they're like pissing away at a steakhouse. And I'm like, how did they, how did they get there? I want, that's what I'm, I look at my grandfather the same way. He, you know, what he owned Waterman's and all that. How do I get to that point in my life where I can just piss away money? How I can be happy, where I can piss away money on my family? I, uh, I came home, I applied for a university in Northwestern Ohio and uh, for their diesel mechanic program, because that's what I'm gonna do is uh, do heavy duty diesel mechanics and some high performance diesel at some point. Own my own shop, you know, tow, 
tow tractor tra trailers, tow combines, have a shop work on them. And then uh, I got a, a letter in the mail that all they wanted to do was ask what my felony conviction was and explain why I should be allowed in their prestigious school. I wrote them a letter back and told them I would like to fly out the Northwestern, you know, up the Lima, Ohio and talk to them about it in person, you know, like a man and explain myself. They sent me a letter back and said, you're accepted. I didn't even have to explain it. They just felt that if I could come to them and explain it in person as, as a, you know, a human being, because, you know, you go to prison, people think you're some type of savage animal or whatever. Yeah, well, like reading that on paper, somebody's going to be like, oh, my God, this person's probably a brute. But then when they meet you in person, like, oh, he's not bad at all. He's just got he did some wrongs. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And the, the, the tattoos, the face tattoos, all that type of stuff, you know, people. Oh, scary looking. I'm the gentlest, kindest beast you can meet. If they're not freaking, they're not scary looking. They're more like badass. Like, I'm wondering, did you get those in prison? Absolutely. Who the fuck is, is there like Picasso in prison or something? Like, how did people have that I much actually, talent? if you want, I will, uh, when I get back down to town, I'll uh, show you how to do a prison tattoo. I, I, that, that was my hustle. That's how I survived in there. That's how I ate. All right. I've been trying to think of a really good tattoo to get one on my skin. But if you think of a good one, like a brother tattoo, like me and you would have, I'll be more than happy to get it onto my skin as long as we're not using anything that's like a toothpick. We'll, pay for it. we'll go, we'll go, to, uh, we'll go right there to uh, independent. Yeah. My uncle will do a tattoo for us. And that's another person that my, my mom and uh, aunt and everybody, our families have, I'm, I thought you knew that as a kid that our families were like, I didn't know anything until like, I probably like when I was like 18, I didn't even know I knew John. Like, I didn't know you knew John either, but John's like, dude, we grew up together. I was like, what are you talking about? And he starts showing me photos of us as like little kids. And I'm like, when what's the like i just didn't re all i remember of kindergarten was throwing a pine cone at somebody and then watching the little rascals that's all i remember that my those are my some of my favorite memories is like kids in school before middle school and if i could go back now and knew what i knew now i would change it of course but it wouldn't make me the person who i am right now and the, i'm kind of happy with the person i am now you know what i mean i'm i'm content with myself I always Not, hear people tell stories about like this, some of the hardest things. I mean, I look back at moments in my life that were the most difficult, like 2020 literally has probably beat the shit out of me. But I look back and I'm like, a lot of those moments I wouldn't regret because I wouldn't have gotten to like the mindset of the way I think now. I mean, it's really hard to kind of sit here and be like all motivational and all the, do these types of things. But it's more about like you made mistakes. But then you learned a lot from it. Like looking at you, like I wouldn't even say you need a college degree, only on the factor of you've gained so much street smarts that so many people, like there's street smarts and then there's fucking book smarts. I come across people with PhDs where I'm like, how are you alive? How are you even thinking right now? Like this is the, like, how do you not know that? And then you realize, no, they're good when it comes to numbers and all these types of things but when it comes to common sense learning how to survive i'm like if i gave you 20 dollars and i gave a person with a phd 20 dollars, i guarantee you you're going to be making more and you're going to be getting way farther than they will they'll probably be broken two days yeah absolutely i turned 20 dollars into 2000 in a couple days i mean it's it's it comes from that place though of like learning too like i mean even those scary moments, like, you know, when all those black Tahoes were rolling up, and you're like, oh, shit, you know, and then once you're like locked up, and you're sitting inside of there, and you have to worry about, you know, getting stabbed and everything, which I want to talk about, where did they stab you? Uh, 
well, shoulder a little bit, back in the head, and then I got smacked with a master lock. Smacked with a master lock. Was it in a sock? No, it was actually uh, – that, that, that's how you uh, mess up. You tie – you braid a string up, tie it around the actual lock part. Jeez. Okay, is there any moments like that you learned in prison that you have taken back home with you? Like any certain things like that you're just used to, like a routine kind of? Um, and there, you know, you're like anally clean, but you do that because you're stuck around dudes 24-7 and you don't want to smell the next dude. I kind of, you know how I am, beach bum. I'll sleep on the beach and surf for two or three days. I don't care. I get bit up by bugs. So I had to let the like being anally clean go. I, what else did I like? Uh, just the thought about everybody's out trying to get you. You kind of, I, I had to learn to not be like so paranoid 24 seven and think everybody's out trying to get me or the next person's trying to one up on me or do whatever. Um, a few other little harder things. Some good things that I brought home from prison though. I learned how to MacGyver any type of electronic you want. I learned how to, uh, what else did I learned how to do. Prison definitely did not make my body better. Prison does not, the food they feed you in there is absolutely horrible. Is that and the first, that, that should have been the first thing you did when you got out was go get some real food. Oh, I did. I, uh, I went, well, I actually got a, uh, a real coffee and a, and a donut. Then I got some ice cream, some Ben and Jerry's. That's my favorite. All right. All right. That's my favorite. So which flavor are we talking about here? Cause mine's fish food. What do you, don't give me that. What do you mean? Look at me like what? Hey, that's my favorite. That's well, your favorite. I do, too? I do like, I, I I do like the um, the cookie dough one. I mean, they're all good, but the yeah. fish food is definitely delicious. Fish food and half baked are like my two faves. Hey, yep, yeah. half baked is good. See, I'm telling you, dude, that's how that's how you know we are childhood best friends. You know I mean, it was a there were a lot of good times. The pizza parties, you know, with birthday parties, I'd have it like the Holiday Inn and stuff like that too. Um, but seriously, man, like you're definitely, you got a better head on your shoulders. I mean, I've only heard things from people that were just like always crazy, got locked up and stuff. But I was just like, I knew you. I mean, I knew what happened. I think around the time middle school when we kind of stopped hanging out was like, you went on a fishing thing with your dad. And then I think from there, that was the last I really ever heard of you besides we had a class together in high school. But yeah, I, um, I've stopped going to school for real and started working. And I, I was making almost 70, 80 grand a summer just crabbing. Why am I going to keep going to school when I'm making twice the teacher's salary? No, I'm going to get my own boat and I'm going to go make 70, 80 grand in the summer. Then I'm going to go make 20 or 30 grand long line and fishing on boats during the winter. Have you ever thought about maybe owning your own fishing company or at least, you know, working for a diesel mechanic until you're able to afford one? I, um, well, see, my thing is I want to open my own diesel mechanic business i want to have like a like a five to six big fit like the big bays where you can fit combines and tractor trailers i want to have a couple wreckers where i can you know go to combines and tractor trailers but fishing industry is i came home and i walked down to the dock right down uh martin's or southern connection whatever whatever whichever one it is down there i seen one of my dad's friends and he was like son he's like he's like go to school he's like there ain't no there ain't, there ain't no money in commercial fishing anymore you know they moved all the being in Ocean City, it's the white marlin capital of the world. So I never liked the sport fishermen. We'd go out there fishing rod and reel commercially for tuna. They'd get all their gear wrapped up in our stuff. We'd cut all their lines off. We did like a battle between commercial fishermen and sport fishermen. People are trying to feed their families and people are just 
assholes out there pissing money away, like you said. You got near my boat. Get away from my boat. It's like, oh, my God, calm it down, bro. Yeah, and so I went down there. He said, son, he said, just go to school. He said, fishing's dead. I mean, they moved all them clam boats back down here to Shinkatig in Virginia, where I'm, you know, I'm kind of around that area, like Shinkatig. Well, I'm closer to the bridge now, but I figure it's, you know, work on some boats out here till school comes along. I don't know. I don't, with all this COVID stuff, I don't know how school, like people at trade schools and people actually need to have hands-on work are going to be able to do it. It's going to be still, I guess, processing everything. I mean, they're just starting to get regular schools back. I've talked to so many teachers that are just sitting there like, you know, what are we going to do? It's going to be over the computer. But I'm like, that's, I'm a hands-on learner. You got to show me how to do things or I'm not going to be able to really learn it that well. And when it comes down to, I guess, you talk about mechanics and stuff too. I mean, is that what you feel like you want to do with the rest of your life? I you know all right this is another good point at this point in my life it's not about me it's about my daughter I got being happy I can't say I'm being happy of course I want to be happy but choosing what I have to do and what I want to do is out that's been out the window since I decided to have a kid kids don't get asked to be brought into this world you just got to make the best life for them so if what's best for my daughter is me going to school and you know being able to support her and being able to be some rich asshole one day and piss money away on her i gotta go to school i gotta get my education i gotta do something where i start out making 70 80 grand you know a year but have a job that's steady every single day i can go to work i can you know fishing you can't go to work every day some days if, if it's a season season 60 70 days long you might only fish 10 15 days out of it during the springtime if it's bad we got lucky this year i worked on a couple conking boats for a little bit we got uh, lucky, like 62 out of 68 days the season was open, we got to fish. But they say this fall is going to be real bad because all, uh, you know, them tropical depressions, everything's coming in, all types of stuff. And people, and that's another thing, people will look at me and think one thing. I am literally a jack of all trades. You know, I've done landscaping, fishing, worked in restaurants. I, I can do carpentry. I can do concrete. I can do asphalt. I can literally do just about anything. And I don't want people to, like, think about not everybody that goes to prison is a bad person. Not everybody that goes to prison is an idiot. I'm an intelligent person, and I have street smart. I just had an addiction, and addiction led me down a bad path. I still, I mean, when I look at you, I still see the little kid that used to go skateboarding at my house on my freaking deck and then tried to touch a tiki torch because somebody showed him that if you put wax in his hand, you can grab a flame. And you did it, yep. and it did not go well at all. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, I mean, like looking at you too, I mean, understanding a little bit more, I think both of us can agree when it comes to, uh, but when it comes down to like trying to process everything too, like what I do, man, and I think this is a main thing for a lot of people, like trying to find a form of therapy or trying to figure out what they want to do with their life is you need those moments of contemplation. I mean, they talk about like when you're locked up, you can sit there and think and try and figure out what you want to do with your life. You could do that outside too. I mean, half the time it's just about sitting. Like, I mean, you talk about like saying you could be at the beach for days, listening to the waves for me, looking back at a lot of memories I have looking back about decisions I want to make to the future, things that I'm going to be making, trying to figure out what's going on in my own head. I mean, that's the best form of, I guess, inner perspective, I would say. I mean, many people talk about like, Oh, you know, that's, 
I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. I'm like, you do have time for that. You have a lot more time than you think. Everybody, like you say, that, oh, I don't have time to think. I don't have time to this. Well, no, you're not. What you're not doing is like, like this morning, me and you, I've, how many times, how many times do I text you? I, I usually text you like, yo, or hey, or what's up at three in the morning or four in the morning all the time, middle of the night, late night. How does that, you know, hey, how you doing, you know? But people could take them times where they're up in the middle of the night and they could just sit there and use that time and just think, oh, all right, this is what's going on. This is what needs to be better. You know, just everything and think about their life. But that's my thing, the water, the waves. I know you don't like the beach too much in the sand because you used to work on the beach all the time you stuck there. When you're trying to pull off a wetsuit after being on the water for 14 hours and you're holding on a wetsuit that is like, I guess, a size too tight and <laughs> you're basically just drove home covered in bay water and you're in it 24-7, by the time you get the wetsuit to your ankles and it's not coming off, you don't ever want to touch that water again, dude. I got hit by a jet ski. That was enough for me a long time but don't get me wrong i think of those memories 24 7 riding the hoverboard riding uh the jetivator you know flying bachelorette parties all these things but I, I mean some of the calming moments when i'm driving over that bridge in the morning you know going into work going into ocean city and i see the red of the sun as it's approaching and then the orange as it's setting it's just it's some of the most peaceful moments dude where i can literally take a deep breath and i can just think it through and i think Everybody has something like that, whether it's, you know, having a coffee in the morning, sitting there and enjoying it or, you know, taking a puff of a cigarette, whatever. You have a moment that is like no interaction can bother you. Your head's got, you know, this is the time to focus in and it helps search through so much shit. I mean, how many kids nowadays just want to go and do, I want to party. I got to post an Instagram picture. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to stay relevant in the world of trending social media. It's like, hang on a second. What do you actually want to do? What's that bar night going to mean? An $80 tab or something? Come on now. Absolutely. Or you wake up next morning wondering why your pockets are empty and you don't, got, you don't have yeah. a shirt on it because you wipe the puke all over yourself. Yeah. But the, like you were talking about seeing the sunsets and all that and pictures. I mean, you're on my Instagram. That's my thing in the morning. I, I, I love to wake up before and watch the sunrise just because I know it's another day that I was blessed to be on this earth. That's literally, I'll take a picture of the sunset almost every single morning and post it. Do you know how many people have the perspective that is the complete opposite of the way you're thinking right now with, I'm so blessed to be alive. Many people think I got to live another day. That's why I have gifted tattooed on my face with two lifelines. You know, I overdosed on heroin twice. Obviously God, you know, I, I don't know what everybody believes in and I don't want to get into the religious thing or political or whatever. God, whatever you believe in. It was not my time. I'm meant to be on this earth. There's a bigger reason for me to be here. I have, I have something to do, and it wasn't taken care of yet. And so God didn't take me then. That's why I, I'm gifted. I, uh, I had something like that. I definitely didn't overdose. Mine was more like I saw a butterfly just get missed by a car. I swear to you, this isn't bullshit. It might sound like a joke. I saw a butterfly just get missed by a car, and I was having a really bad day, and I was like, we're all that butterfly just getting missed by that car. And then I was like, it was a complete like revolution, like believe in God moment. And then like a minute later, I was like, that could have, it could have went the complete opposite way if it would have got hit. But like you said, you overdosed twice. First time. First gotta, time? I got to, you got to hear it. I mean, I, this is something new to me. Everybody else listening is gonna be like, what the fuck? Like, let's go back to that. I, 
I don't really want to put this person's name out there. Don't do it. I then. mean, I mean, most people know who this person is and this person won't even talk to me now. And, but they're the person that saved my life. I, I've me and my, me and my daughter's mother were arguing. She didn't want to come to the pool that we were at. And this person was an EMT with the Berlin fire, fire department at the time, like a, a, a cadet. And, uh, I, did, I shot the dope in my car at McDonald's and we drove down Holly Grove Road or whatever. Last thing I remember was seeing uh, uh, Green Turtle and Mr. Carver and all that stuff. Next thing I know, I wake up at AGH with a big lump on my head. My back's all swollen up because he was punching me in the face with his class ring the whole time, going 120 to the hospital trying to wake me up. And then my back hurt because that's where he ripped me out of the car and threw me in a wheelchair and wheeled me in there. The second time I was with my sister and mind you for the longest time dope wasn't like I didn't get high every day I've never even had a, a withdrawal from heroin just because I didn't do it every day I didn't want to get to that point but that was also the dangerous thing not having a tolerance to it and doing it is what caused me to overdose sometimes second time I'm with my sister it was a rainy day I didn't have to go out on the boat I ain't seen my sister in a few weeks I'm gonna see how she was doing I knew she was bad off at the time so I'm going to go get her lunch and this and that. Well, we're going to get lunch. She goes, cops dope. I go, so I'm like, whatever. I get high once or twice with them in the car. We go eat lunch and whatever. And then next thing I know, I'm waking up on the floor with a bunch of paramedics around me. I'm puking. I'm like sweat pouring out of my forehead. My sister and her, and her friend Tony saved me from overdosing that time. That's, and that's what got me sent back to prison because they found out I overdosed. How somebody called, told my parole officer. I think, um, I mean, you have to look at that. Like, can't be angry at that. It was a thing that saved your life. I mean, getting that change in there, too. Yeah, and uh, it's just, I look at it now, I'm like, dude, I was really, like, blue on the floor, like, dead, cold, like, done. And if people, you know, I didn't, I'm just glad I was around people that weren't scumbags and just left me there which is that's what happened to my friend jeremy that's what happened to my friend caitlin that people you know you get high with somebody and they go out and they got all your dope and their money you know a dope fiend is gonna run in their pockets take their stuff and leave them there it might not even call the police you know everybody i feel like this to everybody everybody should go get narcan even if you don't know nobody that does heroin you never know when you'll find somebody or you'll be at a hotel or you'll be out in public and somebody falls out and you could be the person that saves their life. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at, there's two major things to take away from the situation is people need to understand, like when you were mentioning, like nobody really knew it was the factor of like, it wasn't that big down here. It randomly became big. And like the ending of high school for me was like when you started really hearing about people even 15, 16. Yeah. When people really started getting, you know, when I was around 2015, 2016 was when it started really hitting down here from like an area, I guess people started bringing it in. And then next, you know, now I was it's part of that problem, dude. Literally, that was part of that problem. But that it, you, you were part. I know. But the thing is, it's not like a, a, a blame fault here. This is a factor of you didn't know. I mean, you see shit on TV about all the good stuff about it, really like, oh, it does this. And you just see people conk out and stuff. And then you start seeing things like on Breaking Bad when the person overdoses and someone starts dying. That stuff doesn't really get focused on though. The D.A.R.E. program didn't teach a shit about heroin. It taught us about cocaine Don't and all smoke these. Weed. Other Don't smoke weed. <laughs> yeah. It taught us all this other shit. Like, you know, like they were telling you a little bit more about cocaine at least from what i remember in pcp 
And I was like, because that was a big thing that was like back in the beginning of Ocean City's days was like there was some problems with some drugs that were coming out of the 80s. And then you look at now where we're dealing with this whole other thing and now it's hitting into new forms, whatever. The only benefit I'm seeing right now is the fact that we've completely turned to hemp as medical cannabis all these other types of things and you know yeah but it's not it's more than just smoking weed and getting high it's more about like we're starting to look at this drug that we labeled as heroin and we labeled as so many things and i've talked to so many people that have needed it for medical purposes that deal with like um multiple sclerosis and so many other things and i mean it's a great way to help with depression too I mean, how many times do you spend, like for me, someone that overthinks countless times up in your head might be a benefit to help sort your life problems out, but trying to figure out, you know, just not to get depressed, it makes you even more depressed being up in your head because you're constantly thinking about every fuck up, every this, every that, every, and you know, you mentioned like you were around good people when you had these, you know, things happen to you. You got to understand the factor of like so many people would look at those moments as cringing moments. Like, I can't believe like my family's never going to forgive me. But you never had that because your family is something completely different. And family's obviously more than blood, too. But at the same time, when it comes down to the concept of these people don't hold regrets and they're happy that you're alive. You know, you can look at it like, oh, I'm the fuck up of the family. But like, I think we all feel that way. But the factor is they're your family and they're going to love you whatever you do. I know for a fact that if you were stuck somewhere two o'clock, one o'clock in the morning, you needed a, you gave me a phone call was like, hey, man, I don't have a ride. Can you come pick me up? I need help. I've done it to people that I barely know, people that you may know. I've driven from three o'clock. I told you, I called you the other night. I was like, hey, I'm a little, uh, you know, I don't know. We were supposed to do the podcast on Monday. Hurricane was coming through. I'm like down there in Ocean City. I'm like, well. You didn't call me. You Instagrammed, messaged me at four o'clock in the morning when I was at work. Uh, if you if you would have called me and told me like I have people like I have someone that is staying with me right now. My grandma, for instance, is not doing too well. But I will be more than happy to give you a home if if, if you were in that dire need of it. But you got to express that to me. You got to. You even have my. Yeah. Do you even have my old uh, new number? Because I went to text you to do this podcast and it said not delivered. So I'm like, did you get a new phone? Uh, yeah, I had a, well, like I said, I had some uh, new legal troubles come up, which I'm, I'm not worried about, you okay. know. And uh, We can talk yet, off air about got, it. We can talk off air. Yeah. But no, seriously, uh, like I, I always express to people the fact of like, especially for you too, man. Because I mean, even though we, there's that gap where we haven't talked and stuff too, there is still that I mean, we, we, we hung out every single day, camping trips, constantly learning how to do s'mores and shit. Where my, parties. Every yeah. single house you lived in, I've been to uh, in Berlin, Ocean Pines, everywhere in between. Yeah. My dad is practically your dad. He still talks about you. Like, how's he doing? I'm like, yeah, he's doing all right, man. Like, you know, I haven't talked to him in a while. And he's like, oh, remember that time you tried to make s'mores and you just burnt the shit out of it. I'm like, that's not how you make s'mores. And I'm like, yeah, he sat there browning a marshmallow for 20 minutes and I just slapped it right out of his hands. You were there when we, <laughs> the, you were there when the debate of the shark versus bear happened. Remember that? I'm pretty sure. Right. I'm pretty my, sure. I my uncle it, said but... the worst way to go would be by a bear. And my dad's like, it's by a fucking shark. And then they had this giant argument where he was like, when you turn 60 years old, I'm going to drag your ass to Yellowstone with a thing of T-bones around your neck and throw you <laughs> out there. And, yeah. The sharks. It's funny you say that. I just, uh, I swum a, a nice big old bloody piece of meat out into the surf for a friend the other night. Yeah. A little sketchy, but yeah, sharks definitely the worst way to go. You're going to get eat, eaten alive, but then you're going to drown too. 
which drowning sucks. I've seen a few people drown on boats, and it's probably the horriblest way to go. See, you you're literally, you're literally getting choked out. You're literally just choking on your lungs. That's all you, you're doing, and you're, you're literally suffocating alive. And you know what's going on the whole time. You so you like pass you, out from lack of oxygen. You agree with my dad on the shark thing. I just watched the movie Meg the other day, and I was like, I'm good. I don't want to ever have to get near the ocean ever again. I don't even care if that thing is supposed to be non-existent anymore. That's just too much for me to be something I can't hey, Robbie, let's see. Talk, let's talk medical marijuana real quick. Oh my God. All right. Medical. What? So I come home. I ask, you know, how many times did I try and push weed onto you, butt onto you? A lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Even when I was like, oh, you got your medical card. Don't get a dispensary. Come to me. It's a lot cheaper. But the thing is, medical marijuana, I do believe medical marijuana does help people. It's the greatest thing ever, honestly. I'll never get my medical card only because I don't believe in giving the government my money. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. I'll, I'll, smoke, I'll, I'll smoke my weed. I'll smoke my wax, whatever. But I will not buy it from the government. I will not give them my tax money, even though it does go to good stuff. You know, schools and all that type of roads, whatever. I just, I got a thing against the government. Only reason I have it is because at one point with dealing with all the medical stuff and then trying, like nobody tells, like I took antidepressants for a while, but nobody tells you just to stop. Like nobody tells you don't just stop. Like don't just cut it straight off. And I did that. And that completely just basically ripped my head in two, like a different, did you have any like physical things come on with that? No, like, like your it was felt weird. No, because like I'm a fitness freak and it's the one thing I talk about how COVID like if you would have told I've gone to the gym every day for eight years, I built a home gym spending three grand to be able to do so. And when COVID hit and everything like even now when I work out, like I work out still every single day, but I don't kill myself over it. If you would have told me before, hey, we're going to I got you two tickets to Hawaii. We're going to go to Hawaii. I'd be like, can't. Unless they have a gym there that I can go to every day, I'm not going. And I would do that. I, I'd missed out on trips to Vegas and all these places. And you realize, like, you're only stuck to the confinements of a place. I see the same weights all the time. What about seeing the world? You know, learning other forms and being able to live your life, too. But when it comes to antidepressants, splitting my mind apart. And then at one point, I was like, man, I'm really suffering from this back injury. It's not helping out here. And then next thing you know, like, I don't like going too deep into it, but I got prescribed again from my doctor. Why don't you take, instead of Lexapro, take Zoloft? It's like, what? Yeah, make your mind fucking go absolutely insane. I'm like, I don't want to take it. I don't want to take 40 pills every single day. I'm 22. I shouldn't have to. And he goes, okay, well, go pick up the prescription anyway. I picked it up, and it's still sitting in my car. And then my mom's friend uh, owns the dispensary and was like, hey, why don't you go in here for this thing and get this set up? Next thing you know, I got a trial version of it. It ended up helping out a little bit. Not getting me baked out of my mind, but more on the concept of like being able to focus a little bit more and have that stress yeah. release. It just kind of, it calms you down. People, people know you get stupid off of weed. I've smoked weed since I was almost 12 years old. I don't, I don't really, I don't get high off weed no more. No, it, it literally is one thing that helps me every day, like cope, deal with people's bullshit, deal with, you know, little kids running, yelling around, running around, take a couple hits, I'm fine. You know what I mean? It, it's just a stress relief and it's natural and it's not going to harm your body. I, my mom was telling me that I guess she talked to Marla while I was gone 
said you had a lot of health issues due to like lifting weights and the supplements and stuff, you know, just your insides processing and that type of stuff. And I'm glad you need to know your health stuff's going a little bit better and you're not killing yourself in the gym. Cause my, my, my poppy, my dad's uh stepdad, he, uh, he built the first gold gym down here. He, you know, big dude, he, he lifted weights in Venice beach with Arnold Schwarzenegger back in like the seventies and eighties. And his knees, he's had both knee replacements, his back's bad, you know, sometimes going big and, and, you know, being jacked out of your mind is not what's good for your body, honestly, but as long as, you know, keep healthy, keep fit, keep your mind right, you know. Yeah, I get it. I get it on the weed thing with the little kids, too. I mean, how many times uh, I mean, I've seen kids in stores like hit me in the back of the heel with a shopping cart and you just want to turn around and freak out. Now, I don't advocate smoking marijuana around children, having marijuana around children. It should not be used around children. It should be put up Do the same excuse that my uncles did. And the reason why whenever I smell weed, I think of my grandparents' houses. They no, they would smoke it out on the porch or they would smoke it in the shed or something. Next, you know, they come back and I'm like, it smells like I just like my uncle. I was at his house the other day. I'm like, dude, it smells like um, Thanksgiving at my mom's house. He goes, what? I'm like, you know, you turned weed into a nostalgia thing for me. <laughs> the girl I'm, I'm dating, her, her son, I came from outside. He's like, oh, I knew you came in. I smelled you. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> But I mean, dude, it's all about trying to figure life out, dude. And I mean, you seem like you're going back on the right tracks too, man. And like I said, I appreciate you for doing the podcast too, man. But seriously, you know, you got, oh, it was awesome being on here. you got advice to give to people, man. And it's got to be out there. And you, when you messaged me saying you had a message you wanted to say to some people out there too, and at least a little bit about experience, just know the main thing is, is like, you're not a bad dude. You know, I, I can tell that about you. I see, I still see the little kid that tried to touch a tiki torch. So, I mean, but at the, at the same time, dude, you have plenty of life to live, dude. And you got, you seem like you got your priorities uh, set too, when it comes to your daughter and everything too. I mean, how many people would just go right back to doing the same shit over and over and over again and not care? You know, you got to find the right crowd. Cause you notice down here, so many people are fake. And it's really hard is that false personality. It's so much better to get a name for yourself by stepping on the throat of somebody else than doing something in the right way. I literally, when you say about friends and stuff, I, like I say, I'll message you. I might message a few other friends from back in the day just to catch up, see how they're doing. Uh, a few friends from school, like Brianna, she just got she's another year. She'll have her doctorate in sports medicine. Like, but I, I you know, people are doing good with their life. There's people that try and connect with, you know, try and get on the same goals with them. Like Timmy, I message him here and there. It's just, you know, he's got his kid now. You know, he had he still had his legal state. You know, his box. He couldn't leave the house and stuff like that. And uh, but you know, I still try and catch up with every day because you never know when you say something to somebody, it might mean something to them. It might, it might, it might make their day. You know, it might, it might just they might have some stuff going on in their head, and they may, all right, this person messaged me. They care. You know, all right, somebody still cares about me. They might feel like they have nobody cares about them. Somebody still cares about them. But as far as friends, only people I really hang out with is my cousin, Roy. And, you know, that's family. It's about the only family that I got, like, left around here to hang out with. It's the only family I ever, like, hung out with is, like, a friend. And that's just the type of, I can't say time I'm on. It's just I finding people that are the same as me. You know what I mean? Got the same goals. They ain't worried about going out and partying, worrying about doing this. You know, people that want to save their money, people that want to, have a house, want to have a car, a nice car, have a few bikes, you know, whatever. I think it's, I'm trying my best just to even get by, man. I think that's with a lot of people out here, it's just trying to make it to the next day. It seems like it's got to be the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you said too, you can have 
two jobs and still scrape by. You can have two good jobs and still be struggling down there. You have rents, what, 1800 2000 for a piece of crap place? Yeah. All because you're living by the beach. Yep. You go out to Berlin. Oh, my car broke down. Now I can't get to work. Oh, man, but I can't live in Ocean City because it costs too much. Then you're screwed. Like, the world sets you up for failure. I think what's kind of, like, really about all these people out here that are trying to become something, trying to do something, trying to also help out and really honestly give advice, too. I mean, you never want to play it like a like a cheap thing. You never want to do it like, hey, I'll help you out if you do this for me. It's more like if you help, it, it comes back in return. You know, it, it does. And it, honestly, it feels better on the inside if you're able to help out, too. And, I mean, all these things, your story, for instance, it's motivational. There's somebody out there that's going to hear it and it's going to be like, wow, like you got to kind of – a lot of the times you got to realize this stuff for yourself. You have to go through what you go through, but there are people out there that, you know, sit there and come, we'll sit there and complain. We'll sit there and complain and complain and complain about, Oh, they didn't have this favorite drink at the store. It's like, really? Do you have all your arms and legs? Do you have, are you have a chest beat? Is your heart going? All right, then like, it's not even, it's not even if you have all, all your arms and your legs. Are you, are you living? Are you breathing? Do you have a, a roof over your head? Do you have something to eat? And even if you don't have all of that, there's always somebody out there with a situation worse than yours and you should not cry about it. There's kids out there that don't have stuff to eat, kids out there without a roof over their head, kids out there with these diseases. And it's just, you got to be grateful for what you have in life. And you got to, even when life's fucking knocking you down and shitting on you and just doing whatever to you, fucking you over, you just got to think there's always going to be a better day. Sun's going to shine another day. Couldn't say any better myself, man. Hey. Well, Edwin, I thank you for being on the I thank you for being on the podcast, brother. It was awesome being here. Hopefully I can come back at some point. We can yeah. talk other topics. Talk how you got all those neck tattoos and why would you get a tattoo on your neck? Neck tattoos, face tattoos, leg, feet, thighs, ass cheeks, got them everywhere. You got one on your ass cheek? Yeah. What does it say? Your name. 